I stepped from the TARDIS onto a bleak planet. All around the ground was ravaged. No vegetation. Banks of chilling fog swirling through the air. Why had I been brought here? Jaring Cacophony tells you that once again you're listening to the Power of Three podcast, the Doctor podcast where we like to discuss, discourse, digest, and occasionally disagree as we work our way through the various worlds of Doctor Who in all its forms. And today, as I step from the TARDIS, I see two people before me. What about John and Stevie? Well, they're here. Ooh. I heard an O there from you, Doctor Bowen. Hello, John. Hello, that was supposed to be a sound effect. <laughs> was it meant to be that sound you get right at the start? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, this okay. didn't come out right. Hi, Kenny. Thank you. And sitting up there, smiling and grinning away, it's Stevie. Hello, Stevie. Ah, welcome, Kenny. Sorry, I was trying to do the introductory line there. I was doing it really badly. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's Stephen Day here, lifelong fan of Doctor Who. Curiously enough, beginning not just with the subject we're talking about today, but with the LP. Yeah, we are talking about Genesis of the Daleks. I like the way you said beginning because that was a, that was a nice little segue mm. there into the word Genesis. I think so. Yes. yes, an interesting one. I mean, it's and of course, it interestingly starts that run of sort of biblical sounding stories of with Daleks in them with resurrection and revelation and remembrance there's that sort of religious overtone or undertone I don't I wouldn't say destiny has anything to tie in with that but I always found that quite interesting John did you find that interesting at all the fact they went for that sort of feel yeah it, it did become a bit of a thing didn't it uh, and people said oh what are we going to have next apocalypse of the Daleks or Deuteronomy of the Daleks, <laughs> um, Exodus of the Daleks. There's only only so far as you can go right now. Yeah, but, yeah. Sam's of the Daleks would have been too much, but, I think. Uh, yeah, it's, it, you say there's only so far you can go somewhere. I have a cartoon uh, because that really annoyed me. I, I I love Dalek stories, but you had Genesis, Remembers, and everything else. And my cartoon had all that, and then we had Jam Jars of the Daleks xylophones of the Daleks, <laughs> small packing cases of the Daleks. That was my cartoon back in the 90s when I got fed up with the of the Daleks. <laughs> there was a, a there was quite a, a, a prescient joke that was going around as well. I think it was in Doctor Who magazine before the return of the series where they mooted such stories as Cybermen of the Daleks. <laughs> uh, and so <laughs> And we kind of got that, didn't we? Thanks to Russell T. Davis. Um, yeah, with the uh, doomsday and all that. Yep. But talking of Russell T. Davis, before we chat about Genesis of the Daleks on LP, what do we think of the new trailer, Stevie? Ah, oh, how much time have we got? Do you remember way, way back in the mists of time when we were but young things a few months ago, and I talked about the Christopher Eccleston trailer stopping the family in its tracks? This stopped the family in its tracks including the slightly sceptical 17-year-old who was, oh, it's probably not going to be any good to, ah, I think it's broken me, was her phrase. So, <laughs> fantastic trailer, to quote. Got us all looking, thinking. My wife did say, oh no, I've seen this. I said, no, you haven't. She said, oh no, I've seen all this. Keep watching. And then the rest kicked in. So, well done, Russell T, Bad Wolf, everybody. You've got us absolutely got us yeah i i noticed that you know as, as you were saying there stevie that you it, it starts off with the same trailer that we've, we've seen before essentially and then it kind of that's just a kind of a to lull you and draw you in and then yeah it all it all kicks off magnificently yeah so i was um very gripped by it i thought it was fantastic i thought it was good to finally get confirmation as to the return of the toy maker 
I thought that was that was good too. Yeah, it all looks very slick, very fast paced, um, and it was good to see. Yeah, another another bit of shooty before his where he gets the keys of the TARDIS. So um, again, lots of speculation as to how this fits in and what may or may not be in the background and and all of that. So yes, I think it's a classic Russell T Davis piece of marketing that. It excites all sorts of questions and speculation, uh, and gets people talking, which is which is great. You know, something which perhaps was a little bit lacking during the previous era. So uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I didn't see it at the time. I'm not. I wasn't quite dedicated enough to to set my my alarm and watch it in strictly. But I caught it straight away afterwards, and it was great. I have to admit, I accidentally. I accidentally, and I really wasn't intending to watch Strictly or anything. Yeah, it just happened yeah. to be in front of the telly at the time. Uh-huh. But the big question is, Kenny, what did you think? Well, I didn't see it at the time. I only discovered it actually was a thing when I was on Twitter and saying, people were saying, oh, new trailer. Uh, because I'd quite frankly, I'd rather wipe my backside with barbed wire than watch Strictly come dancing. I, I don't know if, I, I just cannot see what's the attraction of people flailing their arms and legs about and no, don't get it. I just cannot see the point of dance. Quite frankly, I'd break uh, all dancers' legs. Um, John, so, I, do you know something? I think Kenny would much rather watch Babylon 5 than Strictly Come Dancing. I'm getting I would. That's well, I, I, think, I think both of you both of you are protesting too much because I can quite clearly see <laughs> on camera that you both have sequin jackets <gasps> in the background. Oh, did I leave so, my camera on? <sighs> yes, exactly. Um, so, oh, yeah, how you're dare you? No one. Oh. You're fooling no one. <laughs> Yeah, our YouTube viewers will be able to watch that and see. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a little twirl before we go. Well, yeah, what did I think of it, Stevie? Loved it. I think it's, I see, it's the Russell T. Davis masterclass of showing you lots without showing you or telling you anything. We know that there's going to be beat the meat. We know we're getting the toy maker now, all officially confirmed. And yeah, Miriam Margulies, of course, we now know he's doing the voice of beat the meat, which was rumoured and reported back in the mirror in July, I think it was. Um, so yeah, it's lovely to see that uh, it's, it's on the way. I mean, I think obviously we'll be chatting about Star Beast in the very near future. So yeah, I'm very excited by it. It looks great. My wife watched it. She thought it was good. She says, yeah, I think she's going to be watching. So how can you not want to watch The Doctor and Donna? So arguably the most popular Doctor and Companion combination. Sorry, Billy, but I think that Donna has sort of, as time has gone by, Donna sort of supplanted Rose as the companion that the general public sort of remember most and love. So I, I think what we got, we got, which was lovely, was um, a classic bit of David Tennant delivery. Can't remember the exact line, but you know, I think it's you know, I'm not sure if I can save you this time. Yeah. Obviously, I delivered it just as he did, but no, <laughs> he delivered it beautifully. And again, it's another one of those Russell T. Davis or Stephen Moffat kind of stops you in your tracks and thinks, oh, oh, you know. I mean, red herring perhaps, but uh, beautiful bit of beautiful bit of trailer putting together. Yeah, it's a skill, and I'm really, it, it really, really, really excited. Roll on November. Um, yeah, and the, but the one thing it didn't tell us is uh, whether we all have to go back to the meat peep. <laughs> I'm sure we will find out very soon. We will find out very, very soon. So there we go. We've been talking about Doctor Who 2013 still. So let's talk about Doctor Who 1975 still. Or if you prefer, 1979. Or technically it is 1979. We're talking about the genesis of the Daleks LP. Given that we've spoken about pretty much all the other pre-Big Finish Doctor Who audio releases, it did seem rather remiss not to be talking about REH364 Mono which is also available in cassette, ZCR364. Yes, I've got my Genesis of the Daleks LP <laughs> here. And I know that uh, we've all re-listened to it very recently. Uh, the thing that mm. I, I've completely forgotten about this in the back sleeve, when it's saying, and the Do- Doctor Who himself has written a note here, saying, Daleks, wherever I have travelled in time and space, I have met no deadlier adversary. Their single-minded destructive instinct has terrorised more peoples on more planets than I have time to mention. As the TARDIS was impelled back towards the 20th century, I did not know that I was about to embark on my most dangerous mission to find the Daleks and avert their creation forever. Oh, Romana, 
So yes, it's uh, a lovely little. <laughs> and then he proceeds to to tell us the the whole the whole plot. Yes, um, yes. In that glorious synopsis. And you yep. know, I have uh, to ask. I have to ask. Does he have the right? <laughs> no, sorry, exactly. I, I, I digress. Later, later. <laughs> Let's talk about when we first got our copies. This was released in 1979. I must admit, I didn't get my copy till about 1984-85 when I got it at the BBC shop when I started buying pretty much everything with the Doctor Who logo on it. Mm. I think mine was a 1979. 1979-1980. I don't think it was new. My dad appeared with it because he knew I loved Doctor Who. And I had a really old-fashioned record player. I mean, yes, it did plug into the mains, folks. It didn't. Well, not a hand, a hand thingy. <laughs> and um, you know, speaker built in, massive thing, crackly, bad stylus. And uh, but I think everyone in the house got bored because it was just on from morning till night, way past noon. Just play, play, play. So it may have been almost pristine when I got it. It's unplayable now. <laughs> John, what about yourself? Well, I didn't get my copy, that copy, until about 10, 15 years ago. Wow. But I'd listened to it when it came out, but I, it wasn't my copy. It was my friend, Hugh, who lived at the other end of the road. We were kind of these twin uh, nerds at either end of Kelmore Terrace. And uh, so he came back from London with this. And you know it was this oh, oh great stuff! Can't believe this. And we must have listened to it oh, about fifty times over the, the next few years. So yeah, a little bit um, poignant though for me because Hugh's no longer with us. I'm afraid. Oh, um, we sorry to hear that. Early twenties. So I always get a bit nostalgic when I listen to the the vinyl recording because of that. But yeah. So anyway, that's how I first listened to it, uh, sitting up in Hugh's bedroom. Yeah, and Kelmore Terrace. That's brilliant because actually, I remember actually, and this has just popped into my head, borrowing it from Canvas Lang Public Library because they had a copy in their record section, and I used to borrow that quite a lot. They also had like a children's favourites record which had a rubbish version of the Doctor Who theme on it, which uh, we borrowed as well. And ultimately, I think I, I actually borrowed Genesis from the library and made a copy onto cassette. I know something I could listen to it but it just wasn't the same as having the original vinyl and I was so delighted when I finally got my copy I mean it's absolutely iconic just that opening with I stepped from the TARDIS and even though it's completely inaccurate given that it's not what happens in the TV show but it was beautifully scripted and beautifully delivered by Tom and I just I just need to think of those those words and straight away that's me absolutely back in the zone and um, I hope it's it not that like, one you're talking about it's exactly that one I was talking about John is as our YouTube viewers can see holding up TV favourites he's got the Pink Panther Rupert the Bear originally Rupert Bear but they added in the the Dougal from the Magic Roundabout uh, and the Play School House yes yes <laughs> I actually have to disagree with you slightly in that although it is not quite of the BBC standards, I have a strong affection for that uh, arrangement of the theme music. Mm -hmm. But each to their own, you know? It's like some people love Murray Gold, some people love Sega Nakanola. We all have to just embrace each other. Yeah, well, let's let's, let's hug it out, John. Let's hug it out. (laughs) We will, we will will later on. Yeah, uh, I need to get a copy of that from you, actually. I need to get... I was about to say get a copy and cassette, but that doesn't work anymore because I don't have a tape player. <laughs> I oh, have the feeling so that the, the jarring cacophony could be uh, rewritten for this episode. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid it's sticking as mankind that uh, is in the background because we're going all 70s in disco right now. So we need uh-huh. that. We need that. But uh, yeah, that will definitely have to feature in a future episode. So mm-hmm. let's have a wee chat about the story itself. I mean, John, as we were just saying there about that, that iconic opening with I stepped from the TARDIS and it's it just really is it just sets the tone doesn't it you straight away we're getting into the doctor in the first person exactly yeah yeah I, I mean well I suppose there's a comment about the whole the whole production that it's amazing how in a story which really doesn't have any fat you know I mean compared with other 
stories and the other Terry Nation stories and Dalek stories in, in, in particular, you know, where they sometimes can be a little bit repetitive, one might say. Even in the original story, there's so there's so little that's 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 that's, that's padding, and yet somehow they managed to pull off a very consistent and strong sixty minutes or whatever it is. Is it sixty minutes running time? Yeah, or thereabouts. So yeah, and it's great to get us in straight away with the with the Time Lord and his fantastic voice and how I was going. To, I was just going to say that you know. At that point, I don't remember. Well, I, I'd, I'd seen the story once, and I hadn't seen any of the repeats and so on. So it's amazing how evocative that that voice was for me, and and, and more so than when the when the images came back through DVD and and video and so on. The thing that really struck me when I listened back to it just earlier today, actually, when I went out for a walk, when you hear the voice of the Time Lord, John Franklin Robbins. There's bits where he sounds very like Anthony Ainley's master. He's I, just got. I was mm-hmm. going to say that as well. But I, I was, I was listening, and I thought, gosh, it's just the same. I don't know whether it's the RP or whatever, or the, but there's uh, the way he says techniques and so on. It it's like Anthony mm-hmm. Ainley from the Five Doctors. Exactly. You know, when he when he's it's, when he meets um, the, the third Doctor and he's explaining about the seal and he's been sent and everything else, and yeah, that. I was surprised when I looked back and thought, well, it's obviously not, but, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. that was a surprise. Yeah, but I think, John, you make a great point there about how vast the story is, six episodes, and it is a very tight creature as it is. But then, of course, we've got the two-part 45-minute version, which they edited down, and then we've got this. I mean, how can you condense what's you know more than two and a half hours into one hour it is a skillful feat whoever did the edit in this is fantastic very very clever person to take out so much and absolutely keep the core of the story there mm-hmm. the only irony i would say is that the thing that disappears most are the dialects themselves because <laughs> i think they get about two minutes <laughs> two minutes of time It's a funny thing, though, for the story, and and don't get me wrong, I love Daleks, and it is about the Daleks, but even on the the full version, they don't get that much airtime. It's a story Mm -hmm. about their creation, it's a story about the characters behind it, for and against, and I'm not, obviously they are necessary to the plot. But they they they're not in there dominating, just wandering around saying explain, explain. It's it's a clever character plot driven piece. Agreed. When I listened to it, I must have been eight or nine when I first listened to it, and around about that time, I'd have got the Target book as well. I think from the the library. So I'd never seen, I didn't see Genesis of the Daleks for a long time, and I remember seeing a snip when it was first broadcast and leaving the room screaming and that's one of the reasons I wasn't allowed to watch Doctor Who till I was much older. So my whole experience was just this LP. That told the complete story to me and I didn't need the rest of it. What I do find at listening back with very much adult ears is I now know what characters I'm missing. So um, I was going to say Lieutenant Gruber. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Guy Sinner gets a wee, a little, a little bit in there. Um, the guy who plays Garmin gets a little bit in there. Ronson is cut down. You know, you you miss some of the introductions and the conversations that were going on between the elite. It's not necessary to the plot, but you suddenly realise what a what a job they had to cut that down and try to. Yeah. So when you meet a character, so I'm going to take them to General Raven. Well, nope. We're going to meet neither. Let's forget about it. You know, but again, tight, 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 tight. You don't need to know. You can just enjoy it for what it is. I don't think there's much Davros cutting, mm-hmm. apart from possibly yeah. when Sarah meets, is it Garmin and Davros in the, the six-parter out in the wilderness, mm-hmm. which was a weird mm-hmm. scene in itself. But, you know, Davros gets his time. Tom Baker gets his time, Harry and Sarah get their time, Nider gets his time. Cleverly done. Pity we don't get the mutant clam, though. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was hoping to get the mutant clam. Do you know, many over. people have tried a mutant clam on audio. Must have failed. 
moving swiftly on. Yeah, and the Ice Warrior as well. That's been sort of the, the half yeah. the Ice Warrior shell that's used as some sort of crocodile type creature. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's because I knew this inside out before I got a copy of the Doctor and the Monsters repeat. I mean, for me, that always felt like an extended version because you, you know every single sound effect, you know every beat, you know every bit of music, yep. you know all the cues, you know exactly who's going to say what and when because obviously we've listened to it so often and for some reason that this is the definitive version in my head because mm-hmm. it's the one I experienced first and it's the one I experienced most. Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say that's fair. I mean, I think if I... Um, I have to admit... I had to borrow a recording off Kenny because to remind me of this, because my my LP is just is just trashed. There's so much um, hiss, crackle, and jumping; it just will no longer work. And I thought, mm, I'm going to get a clean copy here to listen to, and that's going to I'm not going to have what I listened to. But actually, it would be it was a download, so it would have been remastered at some point. But it's still intact it still sounds and it it took me right back it took me back to my dad handing it over to me and me thinking oh what's this you know and it i must admit um my wife calls me uh, it's the golden anorak i used to know this entire thing off by heart and i could do the voices and i could do everything complete with sound effects now that's a pretty sad thing to admit i don't know so much of it now but that's how far I got into it, and that's what I'm remembering. Take me to see Star Wars, okay? And again, I used to know the first hour of Star Wars because that's how long my tape was, off by heart. When I went to see the redone version, I was disappointed because the sound is different. It's not what I remember, and I work on sound. And even the, the, the versions you get, the originals, the sound is still remastered. And it's annoying. This isn't. This is what was provided. That's a really interesting point, though, Stevie, and, and talking about the original, the original sound and soundtrack and quality of the sound and all that. The only thing that, that caught me off guard because the, I, I listened to this last Saturday, not with a view to this recording, because it wasn't actually muted at that point. But I was saying I've been listening to it in this format, a belated uh, birthday present, this lovely new Tom Baker vinyl collection coming with the the delights of the pescatons and <laughs> um, the exploration earth and all those things that we've already commented upon and when I, when I popped it on I thought oh hang on a minute I've got a really rubbish record player and uh, I thought oh there's something wrong with the speed of the of the opening titles is that the same across or, or, or do I have a false memory because my memory of listening to it as a kid was that the theme music was played at mm-hmm. the proper speed and yep. tempo, whereas on this it's sped up, as we'd say, mm. in Scotland. Well, mm. Shall we find out? Because I've so, got it here. Let's pop it on and see. Uh-huh. That seems about normal to me. Mm. Uh-huh. So whether this well, remaster has gone wrong, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I'd say an interesting thing about speed, uh, especially with the discs. Stevie, we're not here to talk about amphetamines. <laughs> but um, the discs, you know, the, the LPs themselves, you know, if if you played them on different devices, there were slight, there was a slight. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm an anorak about this, but there were slight differences across brands. So you did get that. So. But I have noticed that some of the remastered stuff that you get from different things is just... And you're talking about a variance of a small percentage. It's just not quite right. However, I still... I think I mentioned this before, and, and it's really entertaining to do. But you take your you take your LP of Genesis of the Daleks, and I'd recommend you play it at 45 <laughs> instead of 33. No, seriously. It puts a whole new slant on it. If you, for any reason, would get bored with it, maybe you'd played it, I don't know, six times that day. Try it at 45. Honestly, it's worth a giggle.
stepped from the TARDIS onto a bleak planet. All around, the ground was ravaged. No vegetation. Banks of chilling fog swirling through the air. Why had I been brought here? Ah. Welcome, Doctor. What's going on? Don't you realize how dangerous it is to intercept a transmat beam? Oh, come, Doctor. Not with our techniques. We Time Lords transcended such simple mechanical devices when the universe was less than half its present size. Look. <laughs> Who needs Brimful of Asher on the 45? You can have Genesis of the Daleks on the 45. Genesis of the Daleks on the 45. No. Move away from that. Move away from that. Stevie, is this the equivalent of that um, Crystal D saying she watches classic Doctor Who at 1.5 times speed? Oh, I'm not really sure about that. I, I, I can't believe that people listen to podcasts at anything other than one times. But there you go, people do. They right. go one and a half, two, three. I'm going to try this once, and I bet you it makes me out to be a liar. Hang on. Okay, we're looking forward to this, John, as you get the vinyl out, as our YouTube viewers can see. That sounded wrong. Yeah, it did sound wrong. Unfortunately, your noise cancelling is stopping it playing, but that didn't sound right at all. But that was definitely wrong, John. Definitely wrong. So wrong on so many levels. Put my headphones up. You get it on tires onto a bleak planet. That sounded no. even wronger. That did sound more <laughs> wrong. <laughs> it didn't even sound like talk. I was sounded... going to say, that's a bit what it sounds like at 45. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Also, what is great about this, I've got across the whole thing, are the speeches. You have some great speeches. You have the, have I the right and to hold in my hand and, you know, the action you take today. All these wonderful little speeches. I don't know if you guys remember them, but, you know, it's, it's oh, yeah. the destruction of the Kala Dome. It's, it's what Davros says. You've got Tom's Have I the Right. It's just full of easily rememberable um, classic bits of Who. And... Maybe I'm going to cause controversy here, but if you cast me in a desert island with one record to play or one story to play, if I wanted to introduce someone to Doctor Who and to say this is one of the pinnacles or the pinnacle, this is the story I would choose. There is no doubt I would say Genesis is, even with New Who, that's the one to to say, look, you know, this is what this program's all about. Because mm-hmm. I think it's the one story that has caused so much conversation with fans it spawned lots of different things I, I mean you've talked about it before but the I Davros stuff from Big Finish which I thoroughly recommend to anyone I mean that is a lead up to Genesis listen listen and watch Genesis first and then watch I Davros but that is done in such a similar vein similar music obviously the wonderful Peter Miles is in there but I can't think of another story that actually gives that same thing for me that would say this is who, this is what this programme is about. So, John, is this the the perfect story to introduce someone to? Yes, and indeed I I have done that. In fact, uh, when I've been thinking, oh, what would be a really good story to introduce someone to Doctor Who through without them um, thinking, oh, this is really really corny, oh, look, that set's wobbling, all that kind of stuff. Mutant clams aside, uh, it does capture all that's of the, the. That's the name of a book. <laughs> Mutant clams aside, you know it does. It does really, yeah, capture all of the all of the strengths of of Doctor Who. It's a really, it, it's a real return to form for Terry Nation as well, because you did get the sense he was kind of you know just kind of phoning it in uh, a bit with his with his effort, efforts, but I uh, know it's a really good. Sorry, and it's not and it's not unrelated, of course, that um, at least in one of the Doctor Who magazine fan polls, it was the the best story, the most popular story for for quite a while before it was supplanted by the case of Androzani. But if you look at and I know not everyone puts great store by these kind of polls, and I realise they're not necessarily scientific, but uh, Genesis of the Daleks is always up there at the top in the top couple anyway, so. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great story. Yeah, I do concur. I think it, it's fantastic. Although something actually that I noticed this time, and I'd never picked up on this before, 
is that um, when they're talking at the start, when they're saying that they're from off-world, you know, and the Davros says there is no life on other planets, and then you know, within obviously in the vinyl, you're talking within like half an hour. Davros is talking about she'll conquer the universe, you know, dominate the galaxy mm-hmm. and things like that. It's like, oh, hang on a minute, I thought you said there was no life on other planets. So, and Davros uh-huh. is and Davros is always right as we are told. Uh-huh. So I think that that sort of just struck me today when I was out and uh, listening to this. So it did make I always, me I always, I did always wonder about that. But then I actually thought, well, maybe Nider was being a little bit coy. You know, maybe him and Davros had these plans for universal domination, but he didn't want to uh, have Guy Sinner's character and, and so on <laughs> know that there were possibilities of other planets. Because I did, I did wonder whether it's a kind of a test for the Doctor, you know, maybe well, are you a Davros supporter or aren't you? You know, are you saying Davros is lying? I don't know. It did strike me as odd from the very beginning. Yeah, that's when you mentioned uh, Guy there, of course, also in the cast was Hilary Minster, who would of course go on fine fame and hello hello as well. <laughs> yes, um, of course. And so yeah, there's there's a couple of them in there. What, um, what did he play? Was he General von Klinkenhoff, something like that? No, 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 not in Hello, Hello, your, your buddy. <laughs> he talked in Genesis. What was he? Oh, was he, was he, he was one a of Thal the Thal soldier. Counselor? Yeah, he's one of the Thal soldiers. He's one of the Thal, yeah. Right, right, right. I thought you'd be wanted to know who he was in Hello, Hello. Oh, and I don't know to... who he was in Hello, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, that's classic British comedy uh, with the same jokes every week. But they were still quite amusing at the time when I was ten quite but yeah i think um it's also very interesting hearing um michael wisher as davros again because more recently i've been listening to so much big finish and having watched uh, resurrection quite recently and, and revelation sort of terry malloy sort of become my default davros mm. so it was quite interesting just hearing michael wisher again and hearing how much stronger his performance you know obviously it gives a good performance throughout but just how much more confident he seems to be as the weeks go by and obviously when they're recording this bit by bit and just the, the, the further on you go, you can tell when he's absolutely feeling it and just like, yes, I would do it. And having all that power, mm-hmm. I think it's a wonderful performance. I mean, that's, again, that's a definitive speech of not only not only the story, but of of the series of, of Doctor Who. I, I find that sometimes this, the voice treatment seems to vary. I, I, I suppose they're... You know, doing it live in the studio brought its own problems, mm-hmm. but we'd never really—I don't think we'd ever really heard anything like that. You've heard um, voices being treated, so you've got Daleks, Cybermen, various things throughout sci-fi, but to actually have a humanoid with just a touch of this added mm-hmm. to that kind of—I'm going to say horror because maybe that's what it was. We, I had never seen even in pictures on the album. I'd never seen something like this that mm-hmm. I was allowed anywhere near. Uh-huh. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm sure I read that the the mask could not help but influence his performance because of the enclosures and everything. And then, of course, because they weren't recording it for audio with him in a studio sitting in a booth, and he was having to wear it, you get all that. So it's not a representation of what was done. It's actually what what he had to go through and to do, which I think, I mean, it would scare the pants off any of us if we were told, right, you're going to do this part. Oh, by the way, you're going to be wearing effectively half a ton of plastic on your face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, whatever did, did he, he managed to do was outstanding. Did he not do the rehearsals with a paper bag over his head or something yes. like that? I'd heard that. Like, yeah. Something like that. It's a vague memory about that. But, you know, you, you were saying, Stevie, about not being allowed to watch it because it was too, too scary and I think you know the Davros mask is objectively terrifying especially yep. if you're a little kid and yep. it's so well done you know it's, it's uh, John Friedlander wasn't it yep. correct yep fantastic masks in the 70s and it's just yeah it's it's not been bettered in a, in a sense no. uh, I think I think really... that Terry Malloy is, he's, he's obviously brilliant I mean he again he's kind of my default audio thing I think I was probably unhappy with later series when he was in not because of him but just the way they did the prosthetics it, it was just slightly different you know you you, you hang when they brought in Julian Bleach for example in the later you know and they went back to kind of uh-huh. the original 
but I mean, all of them have worked their socks off. And but then Terry I'm sure I read somewhere, you know, he'd seen the original Davros. He was trying to mimic as much as he could. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but having to do more modern scripts, I, I do find though, uh, and because somebody asked me about this years ago, <laughs> why I like Genesis, and one of the reasons I liked it is because of Davros, not because I approve of everything he was doing, but he's the kind of character that you, you you're mesmerised by. I mean, you can argue that he's got his own agenda and he's not evil. He's just going out for what he thinks is right. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's. He's the thing, quite naughty. He is quite naughty. Quite naughty. But do you know, you so often get villains who are, you know, you think, well, what is their actual motivation for all this? But the fact is, he wants domination. He wants to control everything, and that is it. It's not just somebody who's decided, oh, I just want ultimate power. He's just like, well, it's mine. It's due to me. This is what I'm going to do. Which is great to have a villain who's actually, I'm not going to be swayed from this, this is what we're doing. The one track mind of an evil supervillain, which. Yep. Yeah. Now, you two know that earlier on today, I messaged you to say that we were going to be having a special guest joining us. Yes, you did. I yes. did indeed. And I thought, and it was, it was just when I was out this morning, something that crossed my mind, and I was thinking, I do have thoughts occasionally. It's not just all random nonsense that comes out of the skull. I was thinking just sort of, this sort of gave me an interest in listening to Doctor Who in my youth. And of course, it brings us lots of Daleks as well. And I thought, why don't I ask a man who's got a bit of experience of doing voices of Daleks and Ooh. making audio Doctor Who for his thoughts on Genesis of Daleks and the influence that it's had on a generation like ourselves with audio Doctor Who. So, here is the man who's the executive producer at Big Finish Productions and the voice of the Daleks on television is my pal, my boss, Mr. Nicholas Briggs. Woo! Well, the thing about the genesis of the Daleks LP is that I was, I'm quite old. <laughs> so I'm not sure when it came out, but I reckon I was like 16 or 17, something like that. Um, and I'd already been recording uh, Doctor Who on audio from the television. I'd, I'd already got Death of the Daleks and Genesis of the Daleks under my belt as big reel-to-reel -reel recordings and probably had by then cassette recordings of all sorts of things. So Doctor Who was already a big audio presence in my life. And so I, th I think I rather thought that, um, it sounds really arrogant, but I think I thought, Oh, you finally cottoned on to what I knew ages ago, that it's a good idea to listen to Doctor Who. Um, and also, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, I was very um, ambivalent about um, Genesis of the Daleks, because even though I recognised it was a great story, I just couldn't for ages get over the fact that there were so few Daleks in it. As I've said and bored so many people with uh, before, uh, on my audio recording, I went through and I calculated how many seconds the Daleks appeared for in the program. I was appalled to find out that it was in a whole six-part story. The Daleks appeared for less than 20 minutes, less than a whole episode's length in six episodes. And of course, you know, it was a complex story all about uh, the ideas behind the creation of the Daleks and the social and, um, you know, uh, war situation that was going on on Skaro that meant that these terrible ideas came forth and as a result of that the Daleks were created. But I didn't understand that as a teenager. All I wanted to see was Daleks whizzing down corridors, shooting people, screaming exterminate and having sort of long conversations with each other like they did in Planet of the Daleks. <laughs> so yeah, I, I wasn't sort of... Uh, I am now a massive fan of Genesis of the Daleks and, and I'm always delighted when I see it come top of the uh, the the pole of, of Tom Baker stories or all stories, you know, slightly appalled that City of Death has now overtaken it in a recent poll, I'm told, which just seems crazy to me. But again, that's to do with my age. You know, you tend to love the Doctor Who that you, you know, the programme, I mean, the, the style of the programme and the content of the programme that you experienced when you were 11, 12, 13, that sort of age. That's the sort of sweet spot for when you're intelligent enough to appreciate it, but you haven't got into that sort of um, uh, critical phase where you start pulling things apart because you, you can see further and you've developed your brain a bit more. 
so yeah that's so it didn't really play a part in wanting me to do Dalek voices because I'd already been practicing um, how important do you think this record was in terms of showing us that Doctor Who could work on audio now there I think that's an important thing uh, aside from old Doctor Who fans like me that recorded Doctor Who on audio because there were no video recorders, that's why we did it, so it was our only way of holding on to that memory that we thought we'd never, ever have a chance to hear again or see again. I mean, just for those of you, you know, born after video cassette recorders were uh, invented, just pause and think about that for a moment. You know, we thought this stuff was gone forever and we could only grab our you know uh, our own mementos of it so i used to draw sets i used to you know the moment i saw it i used to try and get it down on paper um but uh as well as realizing that doctor who works well on audio because a load of us audio recorded it this record and cassette and i bought it as a cassette i know um this being released, I think it did cement in many Doctor Who fans' minds that Doctor Who could work on audio. And I think um, it was all part of the momentum that built to the point that when Big Finish decided that they would do Doctor Who stories, and you know, and I was all involved in that, I think that's part of the reason why fans thought that that was a legitimate way of continuing Doctor Who. We've noticed that Big Finish with other franchises, it's not viewed in quite that way. Uh, but there's something unique about Doctor Who fandom in that a certain uh, group, a certain age group, can accept Doctor Who on audio and, and, and don't worry about the fact that it's not visual. I mean, there's also something to do with Doctor Who fans' imagination because even Doctor Who fans who you know, haven't had a background in listening to audio or radio, somehow do warm to it. I don't know what it is. I mean, I've often thought that, you know, old Doctor Who often sounds much better than it looks because of the fantastic work of the Radiophonic Workshop and all the brilliant composers, you know, especially people like Dudley Simpson, but many others, Carrie Blyton, I could go on. Um, Doctor Who has a really immersive, rich uh, soundtrack, which wasn't common to television, back in those days in the 60s and 70s most drama was played out on television with no music at all and very few sound effects so it was a very dry affair it was like watching theatre really although interestingly theatre has more sound design and music in it these days because of the influence of television and audience expectations so um, yeah I think the genesis of the Daleks LP did really uh, show a lot of people that Doctor Who could work on audio. I think when a lot of people came to Big Finish Doctor Who for the first time, they might have thought, oh, God, yeah, I remember hearing uh, Genesis of the Daleks on records, and I, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, I, I think there is a, an influence and an importance. I don't think it's quantifiable, but I think it's a really valid point to make. And thanks to Nick for that, uh, who actually recorded that on his birthday for us last week. So many happy returns, Mr. Briggs. Happy birthday, Mr. Briggs. Happy birthday to you. No, never mind. <laughs> I'll run that through a voice modulator. Just, yeah. Can I just segue from that? Or from that, because uh, you know, obviously, the the voice of the Daleks, as is just now. Michael Wisher, Davros, and the Daleks in Genesis. And so he was effectively acting against himself at some point. Yeah, for him and Roy Skelton. Yes, absolutely. Because mm -hmm. he's such a good Dalek voice. I mean, I think it's Death to the Daleks and Planet yeah. of the Daleks mm -hmm. he does. And he's so good in those. And he's just pushing him to Davros to get a bit more emotion in there, particularly mm -hmm. in his have pity at the end yes. and it's, he's just wonderful he's, he's just such an accomplished performer and and it's just a shame that we lost him so soon yeah and not to, and not to get ahead but just because we're we're here the end of the story on the lp ends with the daleks that's it because we don't have the time ring going off and then I forget where they went after that that was unnecessary and obviously they were running out of time but yeah. what a great way to finish that 
particular story. Now, I realise you couldn't have done that on the six-parter because they had to be seen to be going. But um, I thought that was a fantastic end to the entire the entire thing. And it just, again, definitive Dalek voices. You can't say, oh, that wasn't quite right or it was this or was that. If you want to have an example of a Dalek voice, that's what you play back. Very much so. I mean, the fact that, I mean, as Nick just said, the Daleks were in the whole story for less than 20 minutes. And as I think it was yourself, Stephen, that said, um, they've got less, probably less than two minutes in this cut down version. So it's a, it's a very interesting release. And I'm not going to lie, I absolutely loved re listening to it. I haven't listened to it in a while because I did find my copy of the slip back in Genesis of a Dalek tape, which um, we'd, we'd talked about a few weeks ago. But um, yeah, I'm just thinking, why have I not listened to this more often? And I know that I will definitely be giving it another spin again quite soon, quite possibly before Christmas. Good Christmas listening, isn't it? Just a bit of a genocide. And um, mm. Genesis and Genocide, <laughs> there's a... Uh, gosh, that sounds like a, some sort of murder detective series, doesn't it? Genesis and Genocide. I, I, yeah. ITV. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking now, um, Christmas baubles of the Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that yeah. we haven't touched on yet is the cover sleeve for this whole thing, because the artwork here is done by Morio Moscardini, sleeve design. And isn't it just a thing of beauty? It's sort of... It's like photocopies, but coloured in, tinted, bit of artwork, and and it's just so iconic, particularly with that lovely 1970s typeface as well. Yeah, and uh, you know, again, the TARDIS is there. It's not, but you've got, uh, you've just got the, the the Daleks are well done. It's it's just oh, it's graphic design at its best, really yeah. is. And every time I see it, my heart kind of goes. Whoop. There's my copy. I, I probably should yep. stick it up on a wall somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a oh, planet a of the Daleks. And I, I yeah. well, it's planet of the Daleks, and the do- the dome is slightly tipped, isn't it? It's a, mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of off off center, off key. Do you know that? I, I, I know I'm I'm kind of picking holes and things. I really don't mean to, because I love it. I always wondered about Genesis. And it's Tom Baker's line, a Dalek. And it's, what? Very primitive, but undeniably a Dalek. There's nothing <laughs> primitive about that Dalek. It's a Series X Dalek with its bits. It can travel outside the city. Uh, it's been about a bit. And yeah, I always thought how nice it would have been if they had done a more primitive version of it. You know, I, I'm not saying they go back to the original design, but that's something that always, and again, I never really thought about it when I listened to the audio. I just imagined it wasn't quite the Daleks we were used to. Yeah. No, I think the Daleks look lovely in it, if, if you can admit to thinking Daleks look lovely. Just that lovely dark gun metal. Again, it's evoked in the uh, one of the other illustrations inside this. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm not on a commission for this, by the way. Um, That's beautiful. I've uh, never seen that before, John. It's rather, it's rather nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I think there was a there was a little bit of chat on, on Twitter because I think it's a I think it was borrowed from a a, a fan artist without permission. <laughs> so I think they managed to retroactively get get permission. But yeah, but it's lovely, it's beautiful, you know. There is unfortunately uh, an anachronistic TARDIS as well in that. Yeah. You can see it's not quite the Tom Baker one, but no. anyway. For me, listening back to it, uh, it just reminded me of, it's got a a variety of some of my favourite Doctor Who lines that I just throw into conversation with people, much to their bewilderment. (laughs) Like, you know, uh, I'll I'll talk about excellence to detected the nonconformity and and, and things like that. And people are like, but I think it's it's rich with uh, those little one-liners. No tea, Harry. Um, and things like that, you know, <laughs> yes. I, uh, I delight in, 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 in saying it's like uh, Doctor Who and Victoria would really constitute about 90% of my of my chat, I'm afraid. Nothing wrong with so, that. Nothing wrong with that. Know, what about your etheric beam locator? How do you fit that one in? Oh, etheric beam exactly. locator. Useful yes. for char- finding iron charged muni- munitions, wasn't it? Yeah, of course. The other thing that came out around this time was this. Our YouTube viewers mm-hmm. can see it as well. I'm holding up Doctor Who sound effects. Did either of you have this? 
yes i did actually i did i did uh, and 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 back in those days when you as i said well i only had it on on vinyl wasn't quite the smooth playing experience if you were really hooked on a particular sound effect and you just had to get the needle over and just keep on playing Time Lord stun gun or whatever it was, you know. Yeah, Gallifrey uh, stays uh, are gone. Three blasts. Gallifrey stays are gone. Yes, uh, I could only have a minimum of nine, um, <laughs> so I would be, uh, I would keep replaying it because I loved it so much. And I, I, it actually, it's quite, it's quite sad. But I was only a kid. I would actually try to incorporate these sound effects into my little games of Doctor Who with my my Dennis Fisher mm-hmm. dolls. Uh, I had an action man that I had inked up. That sounds like I've given him a tattoo, but I just painted <laughs> a beard and a moustache on him to be to be the master. So uh, I enacted all of these different uh, adventures with the, the sound effects yeah. on the album. Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, I've listened to this. God, this is going to make me sound so tragic. On repeat. Um, you can, and just when you were reading my target books or whatever I was doing, you know, and I just would have it on. And I just remember on one occasion, my sister coming in, opening the door that she can hear a what track. It could well have been like the Zygon Spaceship Control Center. And she just walked in and then just sort of looked and then turned around and walked out. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. It's not exactly my usual Kylie Minogue or Pet Shop Boys. Oh, so yeah, I can see why she did that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's just such great. And there's such amazing sounds on it as well the wind machine from Robots of Death and the talons of Wang Chang, distillation chamber. But of course, the thing, notes here is a restriction. These recordings are for amateur use only. But of course, the producers of Danger Mouse Series 1 didn't realise that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so a few familiar sounds show up in the first run of Danger Mouse. So, yeah, they missed those wording. I don't know if I'd noticed that before, but um, I don't remember seeing it before, but just when I was having a look over it, I was like, yeah, that's uh, mm-hmm. interesting. But it was just, it was fun. It was just another fun album to have. And you could pretend you were like in a Zygon spaceship or whatever. And just reading the Target books, it just gave it some some nice atmosphere in those days of not having too much in the way of Doctor Who background music to listen to, apart from Doctor the Music and Doctor the Music Volume 2. Mm-hmm. I think for me, and I don't know if it was on that, record but i did have it somewhere that you had the background of the tardis the tardis hum mm-hmm. that lasted for what three minutes and 24 seconds but of course in the days before transistors and microchips you know you have to if you wanted your bedroom to sound like the tardis you kept having to go back uh-huh. but i longed for the days that i would just be able to go in and press a button and my room would just hum like a tardis uh-huh. much much to my <laughs> mum and dad's you know <laughs> that's another reason the record got worn out completely yeah. So we know what you've got in your have, your Spotify playlist. I would love in my office at work just to have that humming in the background, but you know, I just I'm, I just can't. <laughs> I have I have a question. I have two questions though. Going back to the plot, I'm assuming somewhere Sarah got some treatment for um, what was it called? The uh, radiation poisoning. Oh yes, uh huh. Dystronic, whatever. Dystronic mm. I'm just assuming that when she went back somewhere, she got fixed. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that was absolutely fine. Yeah. I, I, I did wonder as a child, what would happen? What difference would it have made if the doctor and the Time Lord said, will you help us? And he said, nah. <laughs> what? I, I always wanted to work out what would have happened because he talks about in the book, certainly not in this, that, you know, they've, well, I think he does say it in this one, that he's only setting them back a, a few hundred years or whatever. But you do wonder. I know a lot of people say this is the beginning of the time war and this is that and this is the other, but I always did wonder how much of a difference, you know, how did it affect the first Doctor's meeting with the Daleks? Mm. Because we assume that was, Genesis was before, mm-hmm. It must have been, mm-hmm. but how much did that affect? Did that, did that change anything that happened? Anyway, I'm probably thinking too deeply. No, it's all Stevie. But I mean, my they... last, <laughs> I, I know, I know this story back to front. There's some stuff we discuss, and I just, I just don't know enough. But my last one, and I, I don't know how to put this politely, but there is a speech that is going to play one day, and it's "Have I the right." 
and that is definitively Tom. Mm-hmm. I think that is such a lovely bit of dialogue and so well played. I don't think I've seen him do anything like that before or since, apart from possibly the 50th, which again was a lovely, a lovely bit. Mm-hmm. Who knows, eh? What, what, I mean, what do you guys think of that, that speech? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a classic, isn't it? And, and there's, a, there's a nod to it, isn't there, in the, in the 12th Doctor story? I get confused, the Magician's Apprentice or the... Which is which familiar. Is familiar. Uh-huh. There's, there's a bit of a play on that. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. a, it is an absolutely classic um, speech and classic line. I think, I think Tom has, 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 has many... I love, I love his confrontation with the with the captain in the pirate planet as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, what's it for? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, the way he spits that out, you know, what's it for? But yeah, it's it is great, and I and I, and I, I know I know what you mean in terms of the potential context of it, but let's not. I, I don't uh, want to think uh, about that, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I know mm-hmm. you know that that's that's what I always come back to, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. again, a sad insight into me. Various things go through my head during the day, but lines from this, lines from Star Wars but lines from this wander through my head mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it, such an impact to me mm. yeah, knowing some media outlets, they'll probably go with, you have a woman's hands the lord <laughs> from Blackadder <laughs> <laughs> well that's have a way you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> a woman's purse my lord no. I, I I agree. It is definitely one of those iconic speeches that, yeah. But unfortunately, we will probably next time we'll hear it on TV. Will be something we don't want to think about. But I yeah. think also just when you're touching on the what if he had said no, because Big Finish did the what if he had touched the wires together and we got the Doctor of War series last year, oh, where um, the Doctor was injured and regenerated or was force regenerated and became the sixth Doctor, or it was Colin Baker. Playing a, a version of uh, of a war doctor and lots of what ifs were in there, so mm-hmm. it's an interesting, very interesting series worth checking out. Mm-hmm. And of course, talking big finish, I'm not at all in commission. I do promise you, I'm not. <laughs> they did Gen- Daleks Genesis of Terror earlier this year, which was mm-hmm. the first episode based on Terry Nation's original script, and then just synopses of the remaining episodes as he originally plotted them out. And it's very, very interesting to hear just how similar it is, what Terry originally planned, but obviously before the Robert Holmes magic came along. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's an interesting listen. Have either of you heard it yet? No. no. Yes, I have. Yep, yeah, I listened to it. I listened to it. And and yeah, you can see that all the essentials are are there. But yeah, there is that little bit that Robert Holmes adds. We, have, we don't perhaps sufficiently give him credit for those those bits mm-hmm. and they also did the uh, the arc in space didn't they yes yeah. mm-hmm. another interesting mix. Like that. completely mm-hmm. different story you can you can feel the there's a familiarity to it but there's also it's mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a photocopy of 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 a photocopy you get a rough mm-hmm. idea what's there but it's the same basis but completely different by the time you got your finished product so mm-hmm. there we go mm-hmm. so it's it's an interesting one mm-hmm. just while we're while we're on the subject of 1970s Doctor Who I was watching Netflix last night and uh, the first of a series from Steven Spielberg's production company Amblin all about UFO encounters because I'm always on the verge of a UFO rabbit hole falling in <laughs> falling out falling back in again and the first episode was about uh, a, a UFO, a spate of UFO sightings in, in Wales in 1977. And at one point it breaks away to speculate about things that might have been influencing kids in terms of the perception of, of you know science fiction and stuff like that. And they show us a very brief clip of the robots of death, which, uh, which I thought was good. I thought, oh, someone's done their research. And it's a, it's really it's a really interesting uh, show actually. It begins with a clip from John Craven's news round, and I thought to myself, "Can't believe I'm watching this big budget American production." And the first thing I see on, <laughs> on the screen on this little small television is uh, is John Craven's news round, and then That's you get amazing. a bit of the the robots of death as well. So 
yeah, it, uh, it, it ticked lots of boxes for me, let me tell you. But there's, there's a podcast for you, Kenny. There's a research thing. John Craven's News Round, all the Doctor Who clips that they showed. Oh, <laughs> Doctor don't. Who stories. I, I, listen, I'm trying to get our November episodes ready at that. <laughs> well, one final question before we go. Genesis, of course, was the only one that they did from the original classic series. So if they had done one other Doctor Who stories in LP, which would you like to have had, John? Oh, it would have to have been uh, a John Pertwee one, I think. And probably the Three Doctors. Just, yeah, Three Doctors, I think. If they could have... Yeah, in fact, they probably could have cut that down. <laughs> the 60 minutes. Yeah, for a feast of a feast of those great voices <laughs> and you also didn't have to rely on the William Hartnell visuals you could just yeah picture him there so that'll be mine good choice Stevie uh, yeah three doctors three doctors I can't think of I can't think of another one I mean if you go if you go on a bit and I've already done it the five doctors original soundtrack I'd be quite happy with that as a an LP, mm-hmm. but I think you'd struggle to cut that one down. Uh-huh. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, multi-doctor story would yeah. work well. Can, can, can I just give you a confession of, of, of how sad I was as a teenager as well? For Christmas 1983, I got an electric typewriter mm-hmm. and I celebrated this by typing out from my cassette recordings the entire script of The Five Doctors. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations, we we bow (laughs) down in front of you. Yeah, how how sad, how sad is that? No, it's not, it's it's not sad. It's fantastic. And and you you remember it and you'll probably remember it longer because you did type it and and it makes you think Um, about the script. And I think that's, do you know that's what audio does as well? Audio mm -hmm. makes you think more about what's going on and you rely less on that visual thing and you you don't turn off, you've got to listen. Yep. Uh-huh. But and everyone John, has to listen as well, that's the thing about when you were recording it too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolute silence. Been there, done that, when I recorded Resurrection onto audio for off our old video 2000. John, big question for you, when you were transcribing your five doctors, when the fifth doctor saying, when he was losing himself, was he being whittled away piece by piece or was he being whittled away piece by piece or would it be piss by piss? <laughs> I was. I would never have stooped to that. I knew it was whittled. So yeah, there was no doubt in my mind about about the whittle. Definitely whittled. Um, there was one that there was one bit that always one line that always threw me off. I think it was one of the third Doctor's lines that got a little bit muffled. Mm-hmm. Something like the Jehoshaphat. It, it really is you line. But anyway, I don't know, I'd have to, I'd have to, well, I say I'd have to go back over it. I can't. Obviously, it's been lost. I was hoping one day it would be lodged in the National Archives um, of the British there's, Library, but there's no, still time. Uh, maybe, maybe it has been without you knowing. Maybe, maybe it's a PDF um, extra in the Blu-ray, or as a future, be, yeah, a future self, yeah. John. You you went back in time and you you rescued it, and that's why it's disappeared. Uh-huh. It's now in the black, actually, the black archive. All right, I thought you said, and I actually, I actually wrote the story myself, not to yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, in the alternative timeline. Oh, I love it! I love it. Well, gent, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real joy getting back onto this vinyl heaven of ours. Um, really enjoyed hearing it. Of course, if anybody out there has their own thoughts and their own memories on vinyls, come to our Facebook group. Now we've got that back up and running. Share your thoughts on our Twitter and what story you would love to have had in an edited form in vinyl back in the day but that's us that reached the end of another episode it's been great fun having you back we will get to chatting again very soon but before we do depart john i believe you may have a question pour moi oh well kenny you shot down my suggestion given the topic uh, of a very famous song by the divinals and i'm still trying to get over you blasting that idea and so it only remains me to ask what uh, what on earth, Kenny, are you going to be playing us out with this week? Oh, John, I'm glad you asked me that because I was thinking that we could have gone to the song by Genesis, but I'm not going to do that because I hate Phil Collins. So I'm not going to go with that. I was thinking that given that at the end of the story, the Daleks have survived, 
it's just a shame that the doctor, Sarah and Harry, didn't find out because I can imagine Sarah just going, uh oh, we're in trouble. So we're going to have a little bit of shampoo. <laughs> Classic. I Classic still myself. I, I was oh, sure God. he was going to come up with something clam based. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because there are well, so many songs about clams out there. Well, I've, I've just well, been googling is, them. You, you could have gone for uh, "Let's Have a Clam Bake" from Carousel. Uh huh. No, I'm reaching here. No, no, it's, yeah, it's no. my least favorite show. But uh, you know, I'm sure we could do a cartoon of Davros's clams all doing a tap dance. Let's let's just move Ooh. away from the whole. Don't even get started Davros's on clams because my clams, mind is no, no. My mind is going <laughs> filthy now talking about bearded clams, but we're not going to go there. We're no, going to move no, on. No. And we've, we will say goodbye to the lovely listeners and thank them for listening in to this episode of Non-Filth. Thank you for your patience. Please don't imagine neither taking a face cloth to the inside of Davros's casing. <sighs> oh, Good night. Thank you, lovely listeners. And I must only apologise for these grinning idiots. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I wanted to know. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Uh oh, we're in trouble. Something's coming.